Listener Production. Hello, it's me, Ursula Carlson, and welcome to this week's episode of That's Enough Already, where we talk about things that shit us to absolute death. And the number one thing, if you ask your dad that shits people to absolute death, is golf. Which brings me to my guest this week. It's almost pro golfer, comedian Sam Taunton, and I know it can get frustrating even for him, and he used to play off scratch. But I've played golf with him, and I've seen it can shit him to death too. He's an absolute blast to hang out with. In this episode, we talk about the special powers adrenaline gives you when you hit the stage and what Sam's actual dream job is. I guess being a comedian or a pro golfer is just a little too stressful for him. Keep an eye on Sam. You can follow him on Instagram at Sam Taunton or around the country wherever good stand-up is performed. Please say hi, even if you're on a train, to Sam Taunton. That's quite enough. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. How are you, Sam Taunton? I'm good, Ursula. How are you? It's lovely to see you. I just said, have you seen me? Because I've been popping into your show most nights because I'm in a room near yours and I walk through the back and I just kind of stand on the side and everyone's in the seats, but in your massive venue, there's like just a heap of room just on the side and I'm just standing yeah. there alone half the time. I assume you're not watching me, but I've often thought if you wonder who that stranger is just standing on the side, it's me. I have actually. Like I thought the other day, I thought it's Tom, my tour manager, and then I thought, no, you're shorter. The person, the man standing there is shorter. No, so it's just me. I'm just standing, just watching you, and everyone kind of – a few people look over at me like you shouldn't be standing there at all because there's so much room around me. But, um, yeah, it's been great. I'm popping in. So how long would you reckon you stand there? I'll just mathematically work out what you owe me. No, come on. I've got a pass, Ursula, you know. I can Are you get wearing into it every night? Because if you're not wearing it, I can charge you. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll transfer you 50 bucks if you want. So let's talk about your golf. Because uh, are you coming on Monday? We're playing golf together. Yeah, I organised it. I booked us in. So you play proper golf, like you're a proper golfer. You could have gone professional, right? I was very good when I was younger. I'm not as good anymore due to um. You're time. still young. How old are you? I'm 31. Yeah, you're still a pup. When I was 16, I was very good. I was off a zero handicap when I was 16. Wow. I was in all the state teams and stuff. So I was really good then. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, had aspirations of uh, being a professional golfer, but um, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I probably was never good enough deep down. That's what I tell myself. I was never If you're good playing on scratch, you're good enough. I'm a terrible golfer. I want you to know that. Like I'm no. on the default uh, handicap, but in my head – I am mm. mentally strong and I'm like, I could go professional. Like, I believe in myself <laughs> so much. Like, we have the opposite. I suck at golf, but I believe I could go pro. I I played the New Zealand Open two years ago. No, you didn't. I did. I played as a guest. But did you play against the professionals? No. It was just like other people that were, so it's like rugby players and radio presenters oh, and stuff okay, like that. Oh, okay, okay. Because, yeah. yeah, to get a start, that would be unbelievable. But I fully believe that I could go professional. Like mentally, I go, if. but uh, to be fair, I think I, I can do anything. Like I watched this movie um, in the early 90s. It's called Samantha. And sort of the thing in there is she keeps saying, if they can do it, I can do it or it can't be done. <laughs> and for a long time, that's all I believe. Like I think I could be a brain surgeon. And I, I truly believe that. Sure, I have to go no. to university, study. I could, Sam. I could. No. I'm much happier with you trying to become a professional golfer than a brain surgeon. You will kill someone if you try to become a brain surgeon. I could be both. Look how stable no. my hand is. Look at that. 
Yeah, okay, but you're also not holding a pair of scissors in someone's brain in the other hand. No, but I'll have a scalpel, not scissors. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm not chopping up a fucking chicken for Sunday roast. <laughs> so I was at Adelaide Fringe and I went to this like very fancy restaurant with my girlfriend and my friends had been there earlier that day. And anyway, we all got like quite sick, but like from oh. this like fancy restaurant. I don't know what it was, like maybe just a bad day or whatever. And so I'm at like... It's like 30 minutes before my show and I'm like actually cowering over. Like I'm like I'm going to vomit and like shit. And I'm in this venue and there was like no toilet. Like I couldn't go. So I had to run to the gym. There was a gym that I'm a member at that like nationwide, like 100 metres. I had to run in there and like vomit before my show and then like run back and do the show. It was like I would have much rather had a panic attack. But instead, I was like yeah. cowering in the side. Like, I, but I was trying to play it so cool. I was just, I told someone, I'm like, I'm just going for a walk up the street to get a bottle of water. And went and vomited in a gym toilet. Listen, and how was the show? Did you, were you feeling ill or your adrenaline kicked in and you just pushed through? Yeah, the show was fine. As soon as it started, it was okay. Yeah. But like, before I went on, I'm like, I can't, I actually can't do it. Like, my stomach was in knots. Like, it was like agony. But then once I started the show, it was fine. The adrenaline that hits you when you go out on stage in Adelaide a few years ago, it would have been like 2010, 2011, I broke my foot. What? By jumping on it because I was running away from a mouse, right? <laughs> and I, like not a like not a big break, but I broke a bone in my foot yeah, and it right. was all swollen and super sore. And I still went on stage that night, performed the whole hour, then went to the emergency room. Yeah, that's what a real professional does. You know, but while you're in on stage, just like that adrenaline hits and you just don't even feel it. The doctors should recommend to everyone to just go and do an hour of stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I've got debilitating back pain. I can't walk. Stand up for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to an open mic. <laughs> that it actually would solve all the problems. It is crazy. You're totally right. You go up there and it's like you can have a cold. You can have like a break. Literally, you had a break and it just kind of just doesn't bother you for a while. And then afterwards, a yeah. lot of the time, it, you kind of forget about it. Yeah, it does go like the same. I've had food poisoning where I was in the toilet and I could hear them go, your next performer. No. Quickly jumped up, washed my hands. I ran out. I did a whole hour and I think it was like an hour and 20. And then. Um, <laughs> you went long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then it was gone. It was like uh, my asshole just went, not now. Yeah, and, yeah. But the whole day it was just full on. I man. do like that. Yeah, like even your asshole knows that yeah. comedy is important enough. Like, it's like you can't cheat yourself in front of these people. It's like time to get yourself together. <laughs> Every other situation, it wouldn't care. But stand-up comedy, it's like, yeah. no, 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 it actually can't happen here. Yeah, yeah. Your, your whole body just go, no, let's shut this shit down. <laughs> shut it down. Like legit shut it the fuck down. So let me ask you, what is your dream, dream job? Like if you someone said to you right now, oh my God. anything, it can be anything, like – a golf pro or, you know, host, the, you you take over the late show or, you know, whatever. What is your absolute dream job? I think I would like to be a session guitarist. Yeah. You know, and just like play on like cool albums and stuff, but never be in the limelight for being a musician, but just like you get bought into the studio and you just get to play like fun guitar solos over things. 
Yeah, like massively in demand. And then years after you die, people go, did you know this guy, Sam Tondon, played on so many different albums? Yeah. He was like on, you know, and then they just named like Lady Gaga. Totally. The, the chicks and, that, you know. And I've done like, like all the cool like little, riff, like Nile Rogers did like the riff on like Let's Dance by David Bowie. Stevie Ray Vaughan played the guitar solo. Like I'm a big guitar nerd. But it's like no one knows about them doing it. But it's like they're the ones yeah. that did all the, the cool stuff you listen to. Yeah, and you just get paid millions and millions of dollars and, and sort of can just go play golf during the day. Oh you God, work yeah. like two days a month. That is the dream. All my dream jobs don't involve comedy, which makes me think maybe I'm doing the – like whenever – what could you do? I'm always like – I'm like, oh, maybe I'll be on a boat somewhere. <laughs> like none of it's being like <laughs> an hour every night I go and talk to people. <laughs> yeah, but I – like I honestly, I remember when I still worked in advertising and I thought, fuck. I still have like 40 odd years of this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, and I loved it. I loved working in advertising. I loved working in printing. I loved all of that stuff. But I was aware of how long I still had to go before I could retire so I could go play golf, so I could do shit. Now that I do this, like it is the best job I could imagine. What year did you start? I started in 2014. I quit my job and then it all just kind of like lined up. But there is something about you saying to the universe, being like, this is the thing I'm going to do. And then, you know, having faith in it kind of just working out. Yeah. It is bizarre. Yeah, but see, see I reckon like, uh, like opportunity can only work, you know, when people go, you have so many opportunities. Opportunities only work when you're available. Yes. Like opportunities present itself every day. Like a simple, like uh, um, I'm gonna go out tomorrow for um, coffee with Andy Saunders and his wife Deb, right? Yes. So opportunity presented itself. He goes, "You should come walking with us in the mornings." Now that could be down the track. Could have been the start of my weight loss story. People could ask me in 10 years, how did you lose all the weight? And I go, well, Andy Saunders says, come and walk with me and my wife, Deb. And I went, yeah, why not? And then I started walking with him and then I got hooked on walking and then I lost all the weight. But when he said, you should come walking with us, I go, fuck no, I'll meet you at Brunetti's for a pie and a coffee. But also the flip side of that, and exactly what you're saying, is like the the power of saying no can sometimes be more power. You know what I mean? It's like what opportunities now are you going to get from saying no? You know, you said no to the yeah. walk, whatever, but maybe your morning is now free. Who knows what happens? Maybe you get a call from, um, I don't know. Oprah. Oprah. Yeah, Oprah. Let's go big. Oprah. Oprah's like, Let's go big. come on in. <laughs> Urza, he, I only he, make got a free morning. calls. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a free morning. Come in. I think we start a show. Um, we're going to do a live yeah. world tour. Um, thank God you're available yeah. for this 45 minutes in the morning because that was the only time I had available. Yeah, called morning chats. <laughs> morning chats. You and Oprah. Morning. <laughs> Morning chats for people who don't like to walk. <laughs> <laughs> Would your dream job be with Oprah? Is that your dream job? <laughs> yeah, well, I used to say I want to be, um, you know, the new Oprah, but now, you know, Ellen's leaving. Someone's got to take over. Oh, my God, you could job. seamlessly do it. You could do the dancing in the aisles and, like, you also would be so similar to Ellen because you are, like, I know you and, like, you're very, you come across very nice, but you're actually just a psycho. Like you She's know, a when, full bitch. Yeah, and you just like. Okay, let's talk about Ellen. I want to <laughs> let's let's talk about that, right? Like, okay, so everyone's got a phone. In all those years that Ellen was a bitch, yeah. apparently, not one audio recording. Yeah, I know. Not one little snippet of video. What a crock of shit! And is a coincidence that all this stuff about Ellen comes out 
just as the Me Too scene starts burning through the comedy community in America, the minute they hit Louis C.K., they go, but Ellen's a bitch to people. What about Ellen, huh? I also think yeah. I'm fine with Ellen being mean, by the way. Like I don't have a pro- – like yeah. her, her name is – She's a boss. Her name is on the show. It's like if you were doing a show and then in big letters they had your name – but you're important. Like you're an important person. And, yeah, you can be like get me a chicken salad because if I don't eat then the show doesn't go well and then no one's yeah. going to be like – like if the show gets cancelled because it sucks, no one's going to be like, well, she was very nice to everyone. They're going to be like Ellen sucks. It's like she's allowed to be mean in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, how many people look at their bosses right now? Like if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to think about your boss or your previous boss and go, how many of them were just fucking amazing? Or how many of them were power drivers that gave you the total shit? That's what bosses do. Exactly, and that's how results come in. She's firm with staff. Yeah. Sometimes she's a bitch. Please, I'm not even a boss and I'm a bitch until some days. <laughs> but she's you know? got to be because she's a woman in like a male-dominated workplace yeah. in entertainment. So, of course, yeah. she's got to be a psycho from day to day. Otherwise, people won't take her seriously. Also, have you worked with comedians? Yeah, they're horrible. We are fucking handful, mate. Like, we just want to fuck around and joke around all day and insult each other and mold sledging nine to five. So, of course, Literally she comes before in we go, started, your producer is, James, you just go fuck off to him. <laughs> in a jovial way. You are Ellen. I'm going to cancel you like Ellen. I've recorded this. I've got receipts. You're going down hers. <laughs> Hey, I want to ask you something. I um, was chatting to Guy Montgomery the other day and he said... Yes. You gave him some advice about like you, before you go out on stage, you think about how this would be if it was a golf game, whatever, oh, yeah. and it's really helped him. So this is it, right? So when I would play golf at a high level, so we yeah. had like coaches and sports psychologists and they would get us to be like, to think about... Um, process as opposed to like goal related things so it's like you can't control the end result basically it's like that's kind of it but all you can control is like the decisions you make during it and the process that you take during it so I've applied that dumb logic to doing stand-up comedy but so what I'll do before like a show I'll like write down a bunch of like objectives that I want to achieve that are not necessarily related to like like having a great show, but it's more like, what do you want to do? It's like stay in the moment. Um, what's another thing you want to do? You want to be like having fun. You want to make sure you're smiling and that you're still existing and enjoying the experience because it needs to be fun for everyone. And even if I have a bad show and it's like for whatever reason the crowd isn't like that amazing, if I've done the things that I set out to do, like that's the only thing that I can do. And it's been a success, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the that's kind of the way I try to think. And I said that to Guy Montgomery, and he was like, "That's the dumbest idea of it." Like he was like, "That's." And now he's running around town telling people about it. Mate, he was playing. Yeah, he was taking <laughs> notes in his head. The comedy industry is very tight knit. Yes, but with being a tight knit family unit type thing, we're also dysfunctional, and we will talk shit about each other oh, yeah, and there yeah, yeah. is that element of bullying but but it's not really like I say bullying but because comedians have really dark sense of humour <laughs> um, and anything goes it, it's sort of it's not like your classic workplace bullying no. but there's a lot of sledging going on and there's literally no HR department in, so it's like you can no, do what you've just got no. to resolve issues yourself if there's issues yeah but now what I've seen is and, and it's becoming more and more and I don't like it 
it's like people will pick like there's always one or two people in the industry and you know like it's sort of an easy person to kick you know yes. and they're like everyone talks shit about this person so now when I go into a green room or I'm, I'm with other comics the minute they start talking shit about someone I go uh-uh no don't do that I'm the same as you. I try not to criticize anyone's comedy because it's hard to yeah. do, but that doesn't stop me gossiping about what people do in the comedy industry that doesn't involve their stage act. So I oh, yeah. will, I mean, that's different. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, some, if I hear a story about <laughs> someone doing something crazy or like, you know, yeah. they've, they did something embarrassing or they've done something that's so lame, I'll be telling everyone I see. Yeah. Do you know once at, um, I was at Splendor in the Grass doing stand-up and uh, someone was on stage and they left their phone side of stage to like record their yeah. set and these two comedians were just standing because they were about to go on next and they were just like teeing off on this comedian on stage just being like so rude being like this is the shittest thing like how do they get book gigs like it's unbelievable they still do it what's wrong with them and then they looked down and realized i was saying this directly into their phone that was oh recording God. it and so then they tried to backtrack in that they were trying to be like oh yeah we're just joking we saw the phone there but the other person knew like the other person knew totally it yeah. must have been mortifying oh i would have taken that phone and thrown it in the river <laughs> I would have like so smashed fuck it. I'm backtracking spot. on that. I kill that phone. Goes. Someone stole your phone. <laughs> what phone? I'd be like, you never had a phone. You'd never. No, had no. A phone. Portaloo. Here we come. That t- that phone is going in a fucking portaloo. There's no way. And let's hope you can't remember your iCloud password because there's no. I'm not letting that shit go. Oh my god. It would be your worst. Actually, would be your worst nightmare. Let me ask you. What about other people? Shits you to death. Oh, um, I think, what about other people? Well, actually, I talk about yeah. this in my show at the moment. I think it's like the sense of like people wanting to, like morality in people wanting to be like right about things and like wanting to be on the right side of every argument. Like I think this is yeah. a thing and I think it's a new thing that like maybe it's from social media because people post now when they donate to charity and they post when they're doing the right thing and they post when they're using their keep cup. And I think this is the thing that annoys me the most when people like guilt you for like doing the wrong thing. Do you know what I mean? Not doing the wrong thing, but doing normally, but being like you should be doing more and it's like life's hard enough. Just let me get through it. Yeah. You know what what I see more and more and, and it's TikTok and reels and stuff where people film themselves giving money to homeless people. Oh, I've seen this. This is bullshit. This I'm is like, crazy. I'm like, don't fucking do that. That's the most patronising shit. Give the guy money or don't give the guy fucking money. But now you want us to suck your dick because you gave this guy 10 bucks? Oh, totally. The other one is like I saw a guy like about a year ago, I'll never forget this, he was giving a guy, a homeless guy money and then he was being like, yeah. now what are you going to spend? You're going to go and buy food with this money. And I was like, fuck off. Let the guy buy what If you're giving him money, he has autonomy to go and buy whatever he yeah. wants with that money. Don't stand there and be like, yeah. I'll take you to the to the shop and we're going to buy. It's yeah. like fucking give him the money or don't give him the money. Where's he going to put it? In his smeg fridge? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just think like I would never, like if I give people money, it's it's finished. Like there you go, take the money. Even if that person goes and buys crack with it, good yeah. on him. Like if I was sleeping in the street, I would want to be off my tits. Absolutely. The fact that you're even in there trying to hold the position to like make you feel better. Like I think it's like people want to feel better about themselves yeah. and everyone's a narcissist now and has like main character syndrome. So it's like, it's just crazy. It's great. Anyway, I feel like this is happening 
just like a lot in everyday life. And that's what's annoying me at the moment. That's why I loved in lockdown when like, so you'd go to get a takeaway coffee and then they would be like, no keep cups. So if I ever forgot my keep cup, I wouldn't get this patronizing look from everyone in the cafe or the barista being like, really? You didn't bring your keep? We sell keep cups. You can buy one of them. It's like, fuck off. Just give I me know. my coffee. Yeah, don't be fucking, it's paper cunt. Yeah. Like, just give it to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll drink it out of the little jug and give it back to you. I'll put my head under the espresso machine. Just pour the steam into it. Just give me the fucking caffeine. Don't give me a, a fucking yeah. morality crisis. Yeah, yeah, don't. I don't need your attitude. Oh, God, yeah, no. But I honestly think TikTok is making it worse. Yeah. You know, because everyone on there is that, like, I'm going to document absolutely everything in my boring-ass life from, you know, taking the keep cup to uh, It's like, it's, get over yourself. Absolutely. You know, this is how I make my iced coffee. This is how I uppercut myself. This is how I do it. But that's what you're totally right. That's it. And it's because it's like the people want to document. They feel like it's more important and then they feel like they need to put it out there more. And I just think I would love I would love it to not be a thing. That's basically where I, yeah. I stand on it. And it's annoying me. But maybe I'm just getting bitter um, in my um, kind of place in the world at the moment. I think if I just got rid of social media, life would probably be a lot better. Yeah, I've deleted Facebook off my phone and no, it's changed my life. Oh, really? Yeah. But it's so yeah. it's it feels so freeing. Yeah, no, I love it. I I go on Facebook maybe once every two, three days or once a week if I'm not, you know, actively in a work scenario. But I love it. Yeah. I just oh my god, I don't even miss it. Hell yeah. I just have all those hours back in my life. I um and what about yourself? Shits you today. What about me? Um, nothing because yeah. I'm absolutely perfect. Uh, um, amazing. Absolutely no. Everything is no. I'm so bad with time. As in, I'm punctual. Like I'll get to places on time, but I drive my point to the myself to the point of like absolute stress, exhaustion, trying to fit everything in, and then it's oh. just that's what I would just love to be have more foresight to be like hey, I'm only doing one thing today instead of being like, yeah, I'll squeeze in this podcast and then I can run and do this gig for this person and then I'll go help my sister move that couch. It, I just I just wish I could say, hey, no, I've got one thing on today. I can't say no a lot yeah. of the time. And so I, I just end up yeah. being exhausted all the time and stressed. It just stresses me out. Yeah, Matt Preston said something interesting um, on his podcast. He said, you should make a list of what you love and then, you know, sort of what you love doing. He said you you should write down everything that you do, you know. Right. And then rate it from you love it to you hate it but it's got a lot of money to it, you know, <laughs> sort of the money value to the love value. Yeah. And then the thing that you love the most you'll find is usually the stuff that you do for free, you yeah, know. totally. And then the stuff that you hate is usually the thing that brings you the most cash. He says, so keep those two and cut out everything in the middle. Oh, my God. And I was like, yeah. But I think for me it would be the other way around because I probably like doing stand-up comedy more than anything else. And that's the thing. That's like my your, job. More than your partner, more than no, golf. No, no. D- delete this bit. No. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe you're saying this shit. Let no. me just make some notes here. I'll just This will be the short for this podcast. No, 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 <laughs> no. No, I, my partner's terrific <laughs> and I love hanging out with her. But, I mean, we do have arguments about how often I want to do comedy as opposed to going out for dinner a lot of the time. But I, so I think, I mean, yeah, so I wouldn't be able to cut. There is a lot of stuff in the middle, but I think the thing that I like doing the most is the thing that I would get money from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then I've got to put yeah. hobbies in for free. I mean, look, it's a great idea and I think that's how I should rejig my life. There's definitely some stuff in the middle you can chop out. Yeah, like, you know, podcasts with um, old friends. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can get rid of that for yeah. sure. 
Yeah. I mean, now that this one's done, yeah, cut that shit right out. <laughs> this is the last podcast I'm ever going to do. Thanks, Vers. Thanks, Matt Preston. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. The supervising producer was Nick McClure and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Beck Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend.